You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Ah, uh, Sprint Plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because they have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to uh, going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul! Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com/iPhone, or call 1-800 Sprint One today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29.17 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29.17 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18 month leases. Early termination results in full balance due. Exclusive tax subject to credit and third day activation restrictions apply. You're locked into Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin. From aliens to ghosts, demons to anchors, and from shadow people to the outlandish, Heidi Hollis the Outlander, Outlander, Outlander. Welcome, everybody, to my awesome Friday evening. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. So welcome to the show, everybody. Get comfortable. Put your feet up. Just enjoy. Relax. I am going to tell you some wonderful things about this program. If you don't know what the show is about, this show is about bringing outlandish and interesting topics to the forefront from aliens, angels, ghosts, demons, holy encounters, shadow people to Bigfoot too. The Outlandish. I always say if it's weird, we're here, and now you are too, so you are among friends. If you do not know who I am, when it comes to The Outlandish, personally, I'm someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it, got over it, and now I'm hoping to help others do the same darn thing and understand this kooky, kooky world of ours that we love. <laughs> so, I welcome you to go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com. Sound it out. H-E, I'm not even going to spell it. Um, <laughs> there you're going to find some things about me that my parents don't even know, and I am very proud. <laughs> um, I want to tell you guys also how you can hear this program. Get the wonderful Inception Radio Network app, IRN app. Most of you guys do listen to the show through that. Which is why a lot of folks don't tend to call in live because they're sitting there listening to it after the show has aired already. But it's all good. But I welcome you. Get it. Because then you can listen to all the shows. It's pretty fantastic. And you could also listen to this entire network by just dialing a number, 401-283-6700. And I also welcome you guys, to the ones of you that are conscious right now listening, uh, to call into the show. <laughs> And ask your questions, make your comments, 1-888-919-2355, or go on to Skype, find Inception Radio Network, and send your comments and questions there. And then we have this wonderful thing called a chat room. Go figure. Those are fun. Um, go to irnchat.com, and you can listen to the show, and you can chat live. And uh, if you cap your questions and comments there, I will do my best to present it to the fantastic guest of the evening. <laughs> so um, I am going to once again forego my outlandish corner where I answer your comments and questions and emails in regards to anything and everything out of the ordinary. Um, that is so much fun. And let me tell you, the emails are piling up. Keep them coming. I will dedicate a show fully to your emails. And so send them to dusoutlander at gmail.com. That's D-A-S, outlander at gmail 
com and uh yeah so we're going to keep this party going and i'm going to introduce my fantastic guest that i don't know why i don't know why but he feels kind of like a bro to me like a brother i don't i don't know he's just like kind of a character and i just love this guy so anyways i am going to get to introducing this fellow i i swear um <laughs> joshua p warren who is an investigator who pioneers the amazing relationship between mind energy matter and strange phenomena he owns the Asheville mystery museum and laboratory in north carolina and the bermuda triangle research base in puerto rico oh i love it over there the author of over 20 best-selling books including use the force a jedi's guide to the law of attraction and the wishing machine workbook he has appeared on tons of TV shows, if you haven't seen them. Paranormal Paparazzi, that one was one of my favorites. Um, he travels the world investigating mysterious phenomena. And he's made the cover of Science Journal in 2004 for lab experiments regarding energy fields in nature related to the Brown Mountain Lights. As the creator of the widely popular Wishing Machine Project, which is very cool, he's helped thousands of people around the globe change their lives in profound ways, manifesting extremely good fortune. If you want to see some pretty darn cool photos and videos, please go to joshuapwarren.com. Everybody, please give a round of applause to my friend and yours, Joshua P. Warren. Oh, they're going crazy, Josh. How the heck are you? I am doing great. So nice to be with you, Heidi. I've missed you so much. And uh, first off, congratulations on the roaring success of this program. I love it, and so many people love it around the world. So it's just always a pleasure to be with you. It's been wild. I, I mean, it, the show has just grown and grown, and I just have a good old time. I'm just sitting here drinking some coffee, eating some popcorn sometimes. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, my goodness, you've been awfully busy yourself my goodness i mean i don't know how many things you've got your hands in but i don't know how you do it, it, it let, let's just launch off <laughs> what on earth is 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 the new thing for you as of late well um obviously i've been doing a, a lot of traveling um since we last talked i've worked on I think four different television series, uh, two of which will be airing later this year. Um, been doing a lot of research here in the Bermuda Triangle. I even created a um, an online paranormal investigator certification course, which uh, just debuted in February. And uh, fortunately, everybody has loved that. I mean, I've gotten students now around the world, so that's available. But the big thing right now... Uh, is that I, I recently um, put out a video report uh, which really has taken me about four years worth of work to accumulate because when I first started coming down here to the Bermuda Triangle in Puerto Rico about 11 years ago, I realized that there was a lot of UFO and USO activity taking place here that was not necessarily making it back into the media in the U.S. mainland. And so little by little, I started putting some of these uh, phenomena together, uh, getting great video footage that people have never seen probably and, and some really good pictures that have never been published before. And I assembled it all into this uh, new video that I put out for free on YouTube. It's called OUFOs, A New Discovery. And uh, 
Oh boy, there's a lot to talk about with that one, and I, I know you've watched it. So, uh, would you like to give your impression <laughs> of what what what's, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you know that is that is pretty darn cool. I I kind of like your um your angle and like you know is this something that has been around all the time, but our naked eyes just not able to follow it. Essentially, it, what you what you show and and what seems to be described as a three to five foot. Uh, UFO <laughs> that's zippity doo dying around Puerto Rico in and out of the water that has some strange appendages that may or may not be attached. I I mean it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. They, I don't know. Do, do they come across as like drone like to you or? Well, you know, in the beginning, I was really scratching my head over these because, you know, for those who haven't watched the video yet, and there's a, an easy link to it at joshuapwarren.com. If you just go there and click that, you'll find the, the video and other information. I start the video off by showing some footage shot by a, an actual Homeland Security thermal imaging camera at the nearby Aguadilla Airport. And for people who um, may know a bit about Puerto Rico, uh, if you look at the palm of your hand, that's sort of the shape of Puerto Rico. And in the upper northwestern corner, you have this town called Aguadilla. And so there in 2013, uh, at about 9.20 p.m., uh, one night in uh, April, I believe it could be August or April. I forget exactly. Uh, it's, it's, it starts with an A, <laughs> but one of those months, um, the camera at the airport caught this object that looks roughly saucer shaped, uh, but it also is kind of irregular and almost has a shape shifting appearance. It's zipping around the airport at up to 120 miles per hour. They immediately grounded all the flights. And the most spectacular thing is that as you watch this thing flying around without wings or rotors or any obvious propulsion, suddenly you see it dip seamlessly into the Atlantic Ocean where it continues to zip at 95 miles per hour under the surface of the water as the camera continues tracking it. And then eventually it emerges from the water, but now it is joined by a second object those two objects fly around and then they finally dip into the ocean one final time and they never re-emerge now this footage was examined and authenticated and uh, really just broken down in great detail by a group of mainstream scientists in this uh, thorough 162-page report, which is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, Heidi, when I went to the site where those two UFOs dipped into the water and I was standing there on the beach because uh, I had to go down a little kind of rugged pathway down to this spot, and here I come out of this beautiful beach. There's hardly anybody around, big, rocky, craggy cliffs with waves crashing on them. And I'm standing there envisioning what it would have been like to, to stand there that night and watch these objects flying around and then disappear into the water. It occurred to me that if suddenly all that water were gone, it would look sort of like that I was standing there 
almost on the edge of the Grand Canyon because there's a huge trench that drops off there, except the Grand Canyon is only 6,000 feet deep, and this trench is almost 30,000 feet deep. Huh. It's so deep you could almost fit all of Mount Everest down in it. Just a little tip would be sticking up. It's the deepest point in the Atlantic Ocean. It's the second deepest point in the world. And so I'm imagining that there is something going on uh, down in this trench and uh, that is some hardcore rock-solid footage right there. And yeah. so I, I opened the video with that, but as it goes on, then I started realizing, okay, there are other things happening here on the island that connect to this where people are having these sort of interactions with whatever these these things are. And uh, And I don't know if we're talking about... Uh, a ship with a little man inside at a steering wheel, I, I tend to think that maybe these things are actually some type of advanced biological form. Hmm. Ah, that, that, I, it makes makes more sense. I mean, these are little, unless the, we're talking about itty-bitty little aliens. Who are we to say that they're not itty-bitty? <laughs> well, they certainly could be, uh, and, and that's one of the things these scientists, they, they believe that that object was three to five feet in diameter. But in these subsequent investigations where I was able to get you know, all kinds of other data from, from other people about their experiences, what we found is that um, these particular UFOs, they, they don't look nicely structured like the typical flying saucers, so to speak, that we classically talk about in ufology. And one thing that surprised me was that I met a man who you can see in the video. His name is Daniel Velez. And um, he is a direct descendant of the Taino Indians. And those were the, the, the natives that were here on the island when Columbus came here in 1493. And he said that there's always been a tradition among his people of being able to go out and meditate in a certain way and make these things appear. And so, uh, for one thing, not only were we able to go out and follow his instructions to a certain extent and do various experiments to get these things to appear on command, but furthermore, uh, it occurred to me that the Taino Indians, they had these little objects that they called samis, and they were little idols that look a lot like a little stone Hershey kiss yeah. with, with a face on it. And uh, these were considered lesser gods that lived high up in the sky and in the mountains. And, and so it could be that there has been an awareness of those things here in Puerto Rico going back hundreds if not thousands of years among the, 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 the tribes. But then I end the video by showing a very similar phenomenon that's been captured and, and made the mainstream news in Denver, Colorado. So we're not talking about something that's strictly limited to the Bermuda Triangle, but uh, something that occurs at various hotspots around the world. And it makes you wonder, Heidi, if some of these things are possibly zipping around us all the time, but some of them are moving so quickly that we don't necessarily get a good look at them because who is pointing a camera up in the in the air and letting it run all day and then playing it back in slow motion to see what's flying around? Not many people are doing that. Very true. It kind of reminds me of uh, the phenomenon of rods. You know, it's like one of those things that you're like, whoa, whoa what was that? You know, it you just so happen to spot something odd and you rewind and you pause and yeah, wow, that's, it, it's, it's kind of, kind of remarkable. I, 
I, I, I can't help but to, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, I wonder how much more widespread this really is that people just like say, haven't come across what it is that you've discovered and put up online and, you know, make, you know, connecting the dots. I, I wonder, I wonder how, uh, you could gather up more reports, you know, it's like <laughs> just to see what people are seeing out there, you know, and just ring them all in. Yeah. I think for, you know, for one thing, showing folks this, this footage and talking about the concept that many of these might be traveling around frequently, but going too fast, will inspire researchers to go out and do exactly what I just suggested. Um, and what we really need is to get some of these super high-speed cameras and to put them in the sky at some of these hot spots and then analyze in detail what, what we see flying around here. And, you know, I, I started calling these OUFOs, which means organic UFOs, and, and I'm not the first person to mention the possibility that some of these things flying around might be organic. But I also want to point out that when I say organic, I'm not really talking about what a lot of people might automatically uh, presume I mean. Because we're, we're very egocentric, so we think of organic as resembling something nice and soft and fleshy like a human. But if you take a human and you, you, you grind that person up and look under a microscope, you find uh, – and I'm sure you've done this, haven't we all? I mean, of I'm course, not, just a little bit here and there. Uh, 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 you have iron, copper, zinc, sulfur, magnesium. You have all these things – that we usually associate with something that's inorganic. And so, uh, and then when it comes to, you know, look how weird life is. You have something as different uh, from us as a tree. Uh, you have insects. You have lightning. Oh, I thought you were going to say like a Trump. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> you, <laughs> you've got, uh, I don't know what, what life form category we're talking about. <laughs> Um, we, yeah. we have, you know, all kinds of different, um, you know, things that don't necessarily resemble humans, but they still are considered living and conscious. And so therefore these might kind of blur the lines a little bit in that they don't, they don't fall into what we think of as being like, a, you know, a dog or a cat or whatever, but they, they still might themselves be, uh, conscious living things. And, uh, therefore they're sensitive uh, to some degree to, to our consciousness and our wishes. And so that's the cool thing about this. If, if what I'm seeing here is a prominent enough trend, well, then that's, that means that you don't just have to go out there and set up a camera a certain way and just sit back with your fingers crossed. There are actually some techniques you might be able to use in order to put out a request to get these things to appear just like we did. And you can see our evidence there on camera. Wow. You know, I, I, I swear I, I had three separate incidences where I was able to call a UFO and it showed up. I, I, I didn't try anything special. I didn't know it would work each time. <laughs> but it was just one of those things like, you know, let's pay attention to our environment, uh, you know, on the last uh, occasion. And I was like, lo and behold, what? There goes one. Oh, my goodness. And rather massive and, and, and just just mind blowing. Uh, but, you know, I, I have this and, and this is something that's often been described by others, too. Or it's like, you know, they saw a UFO and they wanted to see the other side. and They were thinking, gee, I wish it would turn left. And it turns left as it was paying attention. You know, it, it, you hear these things all the time. So there is some psychic connection between these crafts and 
our wishes. I, I just wonder, you know, what is the button that we push that's just right? <laughs> it's getting their attention. It's like, how'd that work? You know, can I do this all the time? You know, once it works, don't didn't you feel like that? Like, wow. You mean every time I could come out here and this happens? I mean, how, what? How consistent has it been for yourself? Well, for me, it hasn't been as consistent as it has for people who are doing this really just more for for pleasure because you know th- th- what i found is that when i go out to do this i'm i'm a little too serious about it you know because i I've, I've gotten all my cameras and tripods and meters <laughs> and i'm all like you know i'm set up to do business here and and most of the people who go out and really have luck with this they they just go out they'll take a cell phone and they'll just start recording video they'll hold it out in front of them close their eyes take a few deep breaths put out a mental invitation and just kind of scan the horizon from right to left and the thing is when you play this back um it's very very easy especially you know for for those who don't know about my history i've been analyzing uh, images related to supposed paranormal phenomena for at least 25 years. It's easy to tell if you're looking at a bird or an insect or, or some of these, you know, airborne particles. It's, it's quite easy to rule those things out. Um, when you see this stuff, uh, it is it's outstanding. I mean, it's not like any of those things. And uh, that's like you know, you mentioned rods, for example. I mean, even when the whole rod thing was was picking up traction, immediately I would look at that and say, to me, this looks exactly like the wing beats of an insect. And at that time, especially the digital technology that we were using had a certain type of interlace. And also, you know, your shutter speed makes an impact on that. But what you end up with is, you know, if you have what amounts to um, kind of a, a motion blur from an insect or a moth or a butterfly, it creates that rod shape. And that's what the vast majority of, of so-called rods were. Um, and as camera technology got better, people realized that, especially when they started catching them in nets and they were actually moths. Um, but you know, aside from that, and these are something that are, are, are very different. Um, and it, it makes you wonder um, if these are able to transition so easily in and out of the water because that they are kind of shape-shifting and they're able to literally um, alter their shape on a molecular level right as they're bridging that gap from one medium to the other or if these things might be sort of only partially in this dimension, so to speak, and uh, therefore they're not interacting as fully as, say, a normal airplane would if it were traveling 120 miles per hour and hit the water. Uh, Hmm. You know, there would be a big splash. So there are all these questions that come up, and I'm not saying that I think that these are definitely organic, but I think that is a something we should definitely look at and discuss and take into consideration. Yeah. You know what I tell my friends when they want, want to go out someplace to see a UFO? I'm like, well, we do need a sacrifice. So, yeah, please come along. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, with uh, when, you're, when you're describing these things as potentially being organic, I mean, when you see the video, it looks like, you know, it 
it's kind of splashing around the water, having a little fun. And then it's like, ask for a friend to come join them. And, you know, it pops out and there's two of them. And it's like, wow, <laughs> did it really go and call one of its friends? You know, it, 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 it it's just very fascinating. I, I, I put in the chat room uh, a link to the video so people can check it out. And uh, we'll definitely put it up on the website on your page when the interview is over. Um, it's mind-blowing i mean and to have homeland security being the ones that provided the video i mean come on now that's been fantastic (laughs) yeah i mean well that's to me that was one of the most outstanding aspects because um you know and, and by the way whenever i get serious about doing some type of photo analysis uh especially when i'm talking to individuals i do not ever vouch for that image unless I have met the person who took it. The Homeland Security stuff's a little different because that footage was was really sort of leaked, basically. I mean, it's it's. I'm not sure how officially it, it came out, but, uh, you know, Puerto Rico is kind of a small place, really. It's 100 miles by 35 miles, but there's three and a half million people who live here, but they all kind of seem to know each other through one, you know, a few degrees of separation. So when, when that footage was captured, boom, there was gossip all over town, you know. I mean, the first guy I talked to said, my brother works at the airport there, and he works with Homeland Security, and they they got a UFO last night. And I mean, it was like everybody knew this, but it it was probably over a year before anybody got to see the footage outside of that little circle because uh you know it it was somebody put it on the internet i still don't know who and i really don't want to know who because i don't want to end up in some congressional hearing that's not the type of <laughs> tv coverage i'm looking for these days yeah. um but as far as all the other images uh you know i like for example there's the object flying over top of the field that has all the cattle in it and the cattle look spooked you know yes um, i mean i i i go right there and i meet the photographers face to face i ask them to bring their cell phone cuz these days you know 90% of the pictures people take gets taken on a cell phone i ask them to bring the cell phone and i take their original image directly off of their cell phone now, when you do that, there is a lot of metadata in there that you can analyze. True. And people would be surprised at how much you can get. Now, anything can be faked, and I am very well aware of that, especially these days. But Of course. And we got to get to our first break. So, uh, you guys, you're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, and we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. I have a fantastic guest on this evening, Joshua Warren, and we dropped him at a cliffhanger speaking on how he likes to grab photos directly from people's cell phones so you can get all the metadata. And then, what, Josh? (laughs) Well, you know, there's no huge big finish to that, but what I will say is that, you know, it's, it's funny that we live in a day and age now when uh, I know I was sitting recently at a, at a table with a group of friends, and I said, "Hey guys, little experiment. I'll give twenty dollars 
to whoever can take the first photograph of this salt shaker. Okay. And everybody goes just clamoring as fast as they can with their phones, right? <laughs> that's a and good that's a fun game. <laughs> it actually is, unless you're the one putting out the twenty dollars. Oh yeah. Time. But um and so maybe maybe I should say I'll buy a free beer or whatever. That'd there be a, you go. I'd probably get the same reaction. And so um and I the the fastest one that we got was ten seconds. And I was surprised. I thought we might have one even faster than that. But the point is, we now live in a world where everybody can, you know, take a picture uh, within seconds' notice. And you might think, therefore, well, we should have enough prominent footage everywhere in order to definitively say we now have proof of uh, ghosts and aliens and UFOs, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is. That same advance in technology has made it easier than ever for people to hoax and fake things. And so I get sent uh, probably at least 50 to 100 images to take a look at every single week. And so I get to see a lot of the same stuff over and over. I mean, you, you, you now have these apps out there which inspire people to fake a ghost yeah. photo. You know, they, they have a whole little menu of fake ghosts you can select <laughs> and flip to your picture. sad, yeah. And, and what's funny is that for, for the average person, I realize they don't mean any harm. They're, they're just having fun. It's, it's literally a little prank for them. But for me, it, you know, it, it causes quite a little workload because I look at this stuff and I, you know, I, I do this image analysis stuff for free because I'm interested in it. And if somebody is trying to pull my leg, uh, and I, I mean, usually I can figure out almost instantly if something is real. But sometimes, mm, I, you know, I find stuff that I need to research a little bit more. And uh, so I'd say uh, every time I get one good ghost picture or ufo picture i probably look at you know a thousand and so um so i i take it very seriously and you know all these images that i put into this video and other things that you'll find um that i've put together are the product of you know not just looking at an image at face value but analyzing everything I can behind it, uh, getting all the details about the conditions, you know, the, the weather and the uh, witnesses and control photos and all that, and then talking to the photographer. And so uh, it, it's important to take all that into consideration when you're looking at uh, what may actually be real visual evidence of something paranormal. Yeah, that's a lot of work. People don't realize what you've got to put into it uh, when you're involved in fields like this. It's it's fascinating. It's fun, but then it gets tiresome with all the hoaxers, and it's like you gotta dig so darn deep in order to get to the good stuff. And and then everything's a question. You know, I, when I share something on Facebook, I always have to put a question mark. So what do you guys think? You know, because right. it's, it's just you know, because otherwise, you know, you'll get these people who get really angry, like you really believe that crap, Heidi? I mean, that's so and so. And I'm like, oh, good lord, you know, come on. You know, it, it, but are we to ignore absolutely everything? You know, I, how do we know when we come across the really good stuff as amateurs, you know, who don't analyze these things fully? I mean, we, it's really a shot in the dark. And um, I, I think for myself, I don't know what where you're at with this, but when, when it comes to these types of odd stories, it, it's I don't really go out to try to prove to people. I'm like, you know. Sometimes you, you got to pull the stuff together and present it and allow them to decide for themselves. I mean, what do you, what's your, your big angle? You're a science guy, so you, you can do that. You can go there and bring it to people the way that they really need it to. But even then, it's, 
it's hard. It's uphill battle, isn't it? Well, you know, that's why really what I do in many cases is I will do an experiment. And if I get some kind of just amazing result, then I will go out there and I will present it to others and say, here's what I did. I'm not holding back any secrets. There are no secret herbs and spices. There's no secret sauce here. I'll tell you how I did everything. And so you, all you have to do is go out there, and now you can do this on your own, and let's see what results that you get. And, uh, in fact, I know one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about tonight is this field that I have developed called parasymatics. Yeah. And it ties really nicely into this because a part of this is me taking some of my results and uh, begging people, at all, please go to my website, get this information, use it for free. And this is not some kind of money-making gimmick or anything like that, and send me your results. Um, and in fact, you want me to go ahead and explain what parasymatics is? Please do, yeah. Yeah. Well... <laughs> This is uh, to really give you an idea of how this started. I've got to go back to 2010 when I went to Key West, Florida for the first time and did an investigation of Robert the Haunted Doll. Oh, that ugly thing. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Be, be careful now, Heidi. I know. You can't insult him. He'll get you. You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Uh, Sprint plus. Intern. Yeah. Clever, right? I'm gonna... Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah. because They have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to... Uh... going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul. Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new one. One upgrade with 18 month leases, early termination results, and full balance too. Exclusive stack subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply. Robert is vengeful. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and uh, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, and as soon as I said the name uh, that we lost our phone connection, I was like, ah, Robert. Uh. So, anyway, um, yeah, Robert the doll, just, you know, he has an extensive story. I won't go into all that, but he's a, he's a large doll. He's over three feet tall, he's over 100 years old. He is now living at the uh, museum, the East Fort Martello Museum there in Key West. And um, there have been all kinds of stories over the decades about him coming to life and doing various things, sometimes mischievous, sometimes outright scary. Um, the screenwriter for the movie Child's Play uh, said that he was partly inspired by by Robert to produce Chucky. Um, so uh, anyway, Robert the doll, you know, he has this glass case around him. He's very, very prized. And, and, and on a side note, I'll mention that there are all these letters that are all just plastered, thousands of letters on the walls from people begging forgiveness because they've gone down there and they've taken his picture without permission or they've uh, said something flippant about him and then they've had bad luck. And so they write these letters to apologize. So, <laughs> Here we so, go down the hole. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, when I was there, I was doing a, a really extensive investigation, and the, the powers that be were really nice. And they uh, had a couple guys come out with these big suction cups, and they lifted the glass case off of Robert the doll for the first time in years so that I could really get up close and personal and do my investigation. Well, one thing that I, I wanted to do uh, is – well, I did a lot of stuff, but one thing well, I, you I did – didn't give him a wishing machine. Just tell me you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Uh, all right. 
<laughs> no, Rob. I don't think Robert needs any help. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, but I did shine a UV light on him. Now, a lot of people may not realize that glass usually blocks out most UV light, which is why you don't get a sunburn when you're driving down the road and your window's up. Um, so I knew when the glass was off, this was a rare opportunity to shine a UV light on him. And when I did that, this little symbol appeared on the sleeve of his shirt that was otherwise invisible to the naked eye. And the symbol looked a lot to me like kind of a distorted snowflake or something like that. Um, and, of course, I could not figure out what it was, why that would be there. And this led me to do a lot of research on symbols. And eventually I came to the conclusion that this looks very much like what magicians for thousands of years have referred to as sigils. And so, uh, and I mean, this goes all the way back to, you know, ancient Hebrew times. Uh, they would talk about the, uh, the segulum, which meant a, a seal to affect something or word or action. Uh, and so basically, um, this seemed to be perhaps the product of some type of ultimate stamp that was placed at the end of some type of a magical ritual. Now, the story had always been that there was a woman, uh, some type of a, of a servant who lived in the home of the Otto family, which that's where Robert the doll came from, who was disgruntled and who had done something with this doll to manipulate it. Um, so therefore, uh, I started looking into this whole concept of how that um, energy can be expressed in symbols. And what I found was that uh, if you... If you take something like uh, an, an energy form and you focus it and condense it, you literally can turn it into a symbol that is almost like an antenna. So, in other words, if you take that energy and condense it into that form, uh, that's one thing. But if you later walk into that form, well, you are also encountering that energy. And that may sound kind of out there, but it's not at all because I started studying this field, which we now call cymatics. And it really starts with the work of a German scientist named Ernst Schladny, who lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s. He would take a, a thin piece of metal and sprinkle salt or sand on top of it and then run a violin bow down the edge and create these beautiful striking patterns, like these little snowflakes and stuff. You, have you seen those types oh. of patterns before? I have, yeah. Yeah, and anybody listening who hasn't, just go to YouTube and type in cymatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. And, and you can get this same effect now if you take something like a, a little piece of metal and, and with sand on it and you put it over top of a speaker and you play different tones and you'll see these different types of patterns appear. So I started experimenting with making patterns using different vibrations and energy tones. And... Um, now, here I am in, on an island a lot, of, a lot of the time here in the Bermuda Triangle. So I started doing this with water. So I would take salt water and fresh water and different, you know, sometimes even tonic water, maybe gin and tonic. No, I'm joking. I, that, I, I didn't go that far, <laughs> but I, I, I would never waste a gin and tonic. I was uh, going to say, what? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. And uh, I would play these different patterns and, and underneath these uh, containers of water and get these or different tones and get these amazing patterns. So uh, then I thought about Robert, and I was like, well, what if I look at this stuff under different forms of light? 
So I would get these patterns on the surface of the water, and then I would, I would view them under infrared light and ultraviolet light and laser light. And when I would do that, certain new attributes would become visible. And so then I started to wonder, okay, that's, this is kind of when the light bulb went off. What if, instead of me just playing tones and getting these patterns, what if I interwove these tones with specific messages and saw what kind of symbol was created? So the first thing I did was I recorded my own voice saying, I want to attract a ghost here. <laughs> you are brazen, dude. What the heck? That's a nice way of putting it. Other people have <laughs> not been so complimentary. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. <sighs> and, uh, so I, um, I, I took a picture of the pattern that, that appeared and then turned that into a symbol. And my wife, Lauren, went to bed. And she is not into the paranormal like I am at all. Uh, she will enjoy hearing my stories, you know, after the fact, uh, over a martini or something, but you know, she's not one to go out in the field and do this stuff. She went to bed and me not being the husband of the year went up and put the sigil on the bedroom door. <laughs> oh my so, God. You live to tell this story. This is fascinating. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm up all night, you know, working on various things. And the, that night, I think I was just watching a movie or something. So I came down. Here I am at 4.30 in the morning watching TV. She's a very sound sleeper. Never wakes up and comes down in the middle of the night. She comes down the stairs and she said, have you been coming in the bedroom? I said, nope. Why? And she said, well, there must be a ghost in here then because something keeps shoving me and waking me up and it's freaking me out. And I'm like, yes, you know. <laughs> So I told her what I'd done, and she, yeah, she was not happy about that. So that was the end of putting the ghost sigil up. But I was so amazed, so amazed by what had happened. I started making a series of these things. The next one, I was like, well, for me, I always think if you're going to experiment and you're really going to see if something's working, go to the casino and try to beat the odds. Because oh, no. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing more raw and real world than the casino as a laboratory because you go in there, they're not playing around, you know, they, they're they just trying to, to keep your money. Yeah. So I created a uh, a sigil. I'm attracting a flow of money. And I took that with me to the casino. And within the first 15 minutes of being there, I hit two jackpots back to back. Come on. Now, at this point, I'm like, this is actually real. You know, like something is actually happening here. And so I started making more of these sigils. And I just started making these in April. I haven't been doing this that long. And I put these sigils on my website. Um, and, I, and, and I tell, I've been telling people every time I get a chance, if I go on a radio show, I say, look, go to my website. What you do is you'll find some sigils there on the homepage if you scroll down. They look really bizarre because this is what Mother Nature produced in, in the water when I played these tones. Yep. There's also a link you can click that gives you a list of updated ones. Take one of these things. 
either put it on your your device like your phone or your computer uh, or print it out and put it in a place where you'll look at it four or five times per day and then let me know what happens. It looks like dancing lizards. I'm looking at them now. (laughs) I've heard a lot of weird descriptions, but dancing lizards, I'll take that. That sounds like I mean, they're very weird. And, and, and you know, the, I'm telling you, I have gotten so many emails from people telling me about these amazing experiences they've had with money, with, with love, with psychic experiences. I mean, that's another one. Okay, I, I, I made one for psychic experiences. I put it over my bed. And I dream a lot anyway very vividly. But I had a dream that one of my neighbors – right down the the way here moved just some some totally mundane to me mm. and then i get up the next day and i see them dragging furniture out and i went over and sure enough they had decided to move i mean just like stuff wow. like that i've gotten so many positive testimonials i'm about to put up a web page that's got all these different quotes from what people are writing me and uh, I've got two people who say they're actually now tattooing some of these. Oh, come on. Wow. Oh, now that's interesting. I wonder what part of the body is going <laughs> to put some of these. It's like, I don't know if I want a big goose to buy a ghost. I don't know if I'd put a tramp stamp of that ghost sigil there. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a lot of it's a lot of a big uh, variety what you can do with that. You know what this reminds me of? Um I love the book uh, Secret Life of Water. I'm sure you've, you've seen that. Um, Masaru Emoto, I believe, is the, the author of that. And, and what he did was subject water to hate and love, and then he froze it, crystallized it, and, and took pictures of the crystals that they formed. And, and if it was anger or, or hate, they were distorted. They were broken. And uh, when it was love and joy, I mean, beautiful sparkles of, of like look like snowflakes uh just just really cool stuff it's like it, it we really are a part of our environment and we do influence our environment and our, our envi- environment influences us and i think once we begin to realize that very spiritual and and I don't know, energy <laughs> that, that surrounds us and, and link up to it. I think that, you know, sky's the limit. I, I, and it's, it's so cool, the stuff that you've been able to tap into, because I, I think that it was actually your videos uh, on these uh, somatics that uh, I first seen. And what, what was that uh, with the leaf? Uh, oh, what is that photography called that you were doing where you'd cut off a part of the leaf and you took pictures? I'm like, that freaking Josh is cool. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah, Kirlian photography. Yeah, that's Kirlian. it. Yes. Oh, just fascinating stuff. I mean, <laughs> I you know your wife she she's a strong woman. She's a strong <laughs> woman. <laughs> but yes, she, 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 you, whenever she wonders what you're doing, just say, "Just paying the bills, hon. Earning my keep. That's all." <laughs> exactly what I say. Do you? <laughs> yes. I like somebody's got to make the money around here. <laughs> And, uh, funny oh my gosh <laughs> no but you know what's what's uh, interesting is that honestly i've been self-employed now since i was 18 years old and wow. and i've done that by um doing what i love you know it's like doing this kind of research writing books that people actually read giving speaking presentations that people actually pay to go uh, see i have tours that run in Asheville. i have museums and 
I, I realized a long time ago that if I'm not doing stuff that's really innovative and interesting, um, nobody's going to care. You know, nobody's going to pay for it. And so that gives me motivation because I'm always trying to come up with good stuff. And I realized that if I promote something that's just a bunch of BS, um, I that, very quickly, you know, I will just pull the steam right out of any prospect that I have to continue doing good research because I depend on the support of the people and I depend on good folks like you who will have me on your radio program and talk about this and so sometimes I come up with with an idea for something that's super weird and I'm a little afraid because I think okay this makes sense to me <laughs> but am I going to be able to explain this properly when I'm trying to tell other folks what I'm up to here. That's and, the joy. That's the joy of all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so so I love interactive things like this where you can where I can say, "Look, you go you use this thing and then you tell me what happens." Now I know if if you want to look at this from like a devil's advocate point of view, you can say, "Well, okay, let's say a thousand people uh, take let's say the money sigil and let's say a hundred people have some type of success and 900 don't well you're most likely going to hear from the people who do so that might give you a skewed dynamic but the difference is the people who are contacting me and telling me that they're having success are not just having success they're having things that are so profound that they just come totally out of left field. I mean, that's what I love about these emails. People write me and they're like, look, this was impossible. Like this couldn't happen. And yet it happened within a day, you know? And so it's not just the fact that it happens, it's the way in which it happens. And so by getting everybody sort of involved, I'm able to take something which otherwise can't necessarily be quantified and um, and do my best to sort of gauge these things, uh, and and that's what we do with the wishing machine as well. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of people all around the world, and just about every country you can imagine, even countries I've never even heard of before, <laughs> that have bought one of our wishing machines. And if they use it properly, um, and of course that means there you have to wish for things that are within the bounds of nature you know you can't wish to fly like superman or you know live forever or whatever <laughs> um but if you wish for things properly then i mean it's it's an incredible tool that helps these things materialize very quickly and so but there's no way to scientifically put that under a microscope because every human being is unique every human being's circumstances are unique and so the best we can do is get feedback and uh what we find is that you know these areas that we're dealing with they they blur the line sometimes between like newtonian physics for every action there's an opposite but equal reaction and the impact that consciousness makes on all this. And uh, it's funny because, you know, we started talking about the OUFOs and how ultimately they relate to consciousness. Now we're talking about this other thing, which may seem unrelated, but it is related because parasymatics is also about how consciousness produces that non-physical mold that reshapes the physical world. My my brain just exploded. Um, I you know what I am dying to know if you know if any politicians bought your wishing machine. I'm just throwing that out there just just randomly. 
<laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because I will tell you this. Um, even though I do have a strict policy of honoring uh, our, our customers' anonymity if they want it, oh, boy. Uh, through the election process, I saw a lot of familiar last names coming in as the orders. No. Yeah. And seriously, and uh, so I mean, I I I I struggled with the ethics of like, should I mention this on Facebook because this is really <laughs> interesting, or not? And I figured uh, I better not. But sure enough, that's a very good question. And yes, uh, I I saw a lot of familiar last names. Ooh, the plot thickens. Um, Putin? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> He already has one. He he probably invented the damn thing. <laughs> he probably did. My gosh, it's not like people are going to vote anyway. So, I mean, gosh, he's already got an in. That's just mind-blowing. But, I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, might as well, you know. <laughs> I, I can imagine a, a whole lot of wishes being uh, put out there for such a thing. But we're going to get to our next break. You guys, you're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, and we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here. And we have got Joshua Warren. We're talking about everything under the sun. And I'm not kidding. Um, This man, if you can imagine it, witness it, this man has dug deep into it and written about it. So um, I guess that's kind of why I think of you like a bro of some sort. I don't know. And because I, I got to know you on a different level, hanging out with you at times and I don't know. You're 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 a really really like easy person to know and to like, and I, I think a lot of people appreciate how approachable you are and how real you are, and how you go about presenting the topics that you do. So I, I mean, I, I I mean, I think it's quite unique to the field. So kudos to you, Josh. <laughs> well, thank you very much for saying that because as soon as I met you, I mean, it was like instantly we were on the same wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think a part of it is for one thing, it, you can be interested in this field, but you're never going to get it unless you actually understand that there's something inherently absurd about all of this. <laughs> And you can and, laugh at yourself, too, about yes. it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so you have that great warmth and charm that exudes all around you. And you and I would just sit around and laugh till tears <laughs> streaming about some of these things that, you know, it's just like um, for, for, I, I, a part of it is almost sort of understanding how arrogant that most people are to think that they actually understand what the heck is going on here. You know, I mean <laughs> – yeah. How silly are people to believe, well, this is impossible because I was raised this way. Well, you know, okay, good for you. But, you, I mean, you can look at any any previous generation, I, not even that far ago. I mean, like you know, maybe 10 years ago, and look at what they knew about the world, and it's dramatically different now. Yes. Um, yes. And in some cases, I mean, you know, I was talking the other day. As well, I mentioned I uh, I have some online paranormal uh, investigation classes that I do now. They're all pre-recorded. So, and but one of the things I was talking about is that scientists didn't acknowledge the existence of dinosaurs until the 1800s. Huh. Uh, and you know, dinosaurs have they've always been here as long as we've been here. Um, but in the past, if somebody would uncover some kind of big 
crazy looking skeleton. They were like, there were there once was dragons here, you know. And uh, so everybody blew it off as being some kind of foolishness. But you no, know, in reality, there were dragons. I mean, you know, you can go to the museum and see them now. We call them you no know, pterodactyls or whatever. But yeah. Um. So. Uh, and, and then, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, um, up until like the 1990s, we only believed that the only planets were the planets in our own solar system. And then all of a sudden, boom, now there is an infinite number of planets uh, all over the universe. So it's amazing how people continue to believe their own point of view is the right one. And I think, again, that's something you and I have in common is that uh, we are humble enough to realize that uh, no matter how much research that we do, um, we don't know everything, and uh, there's a lot to be learned, and that's what makes it fun and exciting. So true. Oh, my gosh. You know, I swear, I'm going to – my next move – and this is – I almost did this. I almost bought a place in Puerto Rico, and then I heard you move to Puerto Rico. I'm like, if I knew that dude was there, I'd be going over there all the time and just cracking up and having way too much fun. But Yes. But, <laughs> It's not off the table yet. I mean, honestly, I'm, I I would like a change, but um, I'm in Chicago. You know, come on. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, it. I think it's uh, I, you know, anybody that that claims to have all the answers and knows 100% of of everything. I mean, run, just run. It's it's not true. You know, it's not happening. And you know, and and I think the more that we rely upon each other, you know, as human beings. And take people's word for things sometimes, you know, when you when you interview people and you hear their heartfelt pleas about what it is that they've experienced, sometimes that's proof enough for me in understanding a, a different element of, you know, because I've been there where I've experienced something so just bizarre. I know that people couldn't relate. And then to see that that same expression coming out of somebody like you just know when you hit that, that that it's it's real um, for others, maybe not. But that's why it's so important to, you know, just present it and say, you know, take it for what it is and, you know, make your own decision. So I, I applaud, you know, anybody that, that goes into this field and uh, could do what you do. I mean, I, I don't know many people who could say that they can rely upon their work in this field as, you know, getting by in this life. It, it That's cool because uh, one day, one day, Josh, if I ever get to that point, I, I I would love to be able to do it to help more people. That's my whole goal, reaching more people and opening up their eyes to the real reality that we're all a part of. And uh, I feel that that's part of, you know, what drives you as well. I mean, it's it's for curiosity's sake and it's for mankind's sake. Well, that's right. And what you find is that um, it really does go hand in hand. I mean, that if you're doing something good, that people find valuable that makes their their lives better, then they will stick with you. Oh, and yeah. and what's funny is that when it comes to all this paranormal research, um, it, it's easy to to say, okay, well, look at something like the wishing machine or parasymatics, and you hear me talking about using it to make money, you know, to go to the casino and to win and stuff like that. It's easy for somebody to say well, this guy, he's just interested in the money, you know. Um, but the reality is, um, why should we be doing any kind of research if ultimately the benefit 
is not to improve lives. Yeah. Um, and, and so it doesn't matter how you're doing that. If you're doing it through getting money or improving your relationships or your, even, you know, your health for that matter, which is something that I don't talk very much about because I'm not a doctor, but nonetheless, um, if you know, all this, the, the whole point of learning new things is to, to benefit life, to make your life better. Yeah. And and I realized a long time ago, yeah, I can put together some kind of big crazy rig and use it to try to create a tulpa or a ghost or some kind of creepy thing. And I've done that many times. As a matter of fact, uh, in 2012, there was a Warner Brothers horror movie that came out called The Apparition. And uh, I was hired to be a consultant on that movie. And the, the Blu-ray uh, extras have... Uh, just tons of different uh, pieces showing me and my team in the lab trying to turn on, you know, various types of Tesla coils and Van de Graaff generators and sync all this stuff up while inputting a desire to create a, an apparition, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm getting at here is you can you can use all these experiments to try to manifest a ghost or a UFO or some kind of weird thing. But what you find out is that you can also use these exact same kinds of techniques to manifest the normal stuff that we all need. Uh, you know, a, a happy life and uh, and the resources to live that happy life. So it's not just restricted to one area. And so um, anybody who gets into this whole subject matter is really somebody who ought to be interested in manifestation in general. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned in my bio, it's about that relationship between matter and energy and all the different ways that those things can interact and uh, and materialize. You know, something that we're chatting about uh, over the break now, when it comes to your wishing machine, and if people say, I don't know, people running for office happen to own one and are wishing for the same thing, how do they how do they work that way? Yeah, this is a really interesting question that uh, Dr. Mulder, who makes the wishing machines, and I deal with a lot. Um, for one thing. You know, uh, and I, you know, if you have the Super Bowl, for example, and there's only two options, either this team's going to win or that team's going to win, if you have people on one side that are using wishing machines and people on the other side using wishing machines, well, what happens then? And what we find is that um, it really, to a certain extent, now there are obviously other variables involved, such as skill and talent and all that, but as far as the the intent is concerned, at that point, it really does become a matter of this variable of intent and the strength and power of it and the, the collective amount of it versus the other one. And that's why we tell people all the time, if you're going to use a wishing machine, people ask us, they say, can I hit the lottery with this? And I always say, look... Um, it's not good to use these things for hitting the lotto. I, people have hit the lotto using them. That has happened. But the problem with the lotto is you have essentially you know, one big prize and you have thousands or millions of people who are focusing on that one thing. And so what that does is it breaks the odds down 
uh, and, and it gives you a smaller percentage. Uh, you're much, much better off to go into a casino where there are lots of different machines and everybody's attention is distributed all over the place. It's a lot easier to go in and manipulate one particular game at one particular time than it is to focus on one big prize. Uh, I've often said it's one thing if you want to have, uh, you know, you want to wish for an Aston Martin, that's no big deal. But if you want, you know, the, the Aston Martin DB3 or whatever that <laughs> Sean Connery drove in the movie Goldfinger, right. <laughs> now you're getting so specific, there are a lot of people that you're up against with it with in terms of intent, because these are mind-powered machines. Uh, but furthermore, you have to realize that uh, there are two other important things to point out. Number one, sometimes... What you think will make you happy is not actually what will make you happy. Um, in my book, Use the Force, I wrote about a man who lived, I believe, in Chicago, Heidi, who won a $300 million Powerball and was generous and bought houses for his family and friends. You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. intern. Uh, sprint plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because. They have an all glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to. Uh... Going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul. Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1 800 Sprint 1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18 month leases. Early termination results in full balance. Two exclusive stacks subject to credit and third dollar activation restrictions apply and cars and all that, but uh, one of his um, in-laws thought that she was not treated generously enough, and so she and her boyfriend hatched a scheme, and they kidnapped this guy and held him for ransom, and things went awry, and so they ended up killing him. Oh, typical um, Chicagoans. I mean, what are we yeah. talking about? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so you have that to deal with. But here's the thing that's even more interesting. And I was talking to Dr. Mulder about this the other day. And by the way, you know, his, that's not his real name. But uh, Dr. Mulder, the man who makes these wishing machines, he is very, very particular about his privacy because you can imagine when you get a reputation for being the guy who makes the wishing machines – People will beat a path to your door and crawl on your window. Uh, so <laughs> he and I were talking about the fact that uh, we have a lot of cases like like this one, for example, where there was a lady who bought a wishing machine, and she said, "I uh, I hate my job, and I'm not making enough money, and I need a complete you know change of of lifestyle." And so it's like, okay, great, you know. So she got the machine, she got the instructions. And then she contacted us a couple weeks later and was really angry. And she goes, man, this machine is terrible. It did the exact opposite of what I, I got fired from my job. She goes, now I, can, you know, I don't even have anything coming in anymore. And uh, so we were like, well, just be patient, you know. So a couple weeks later, she emails us and she goes, oh, my God, I got the job of my dreams. I'm now making more money than ever. I have never been so happy. And she goes down this whole big list of how great the, things have worked out. And what she and a lot of people don't realize is that if you make a wish or you're trying to manifest something and you're serious about it, if you really want to change in your life, the only way that's going to happen is for the old life to first break down so that the new life can be born. And so it's natural for people to panic a little bit when you go through that transitional phase. 
which is one thing that I also I wrote a whole chapter about this and and use the force, and so uh, you have to understand that when you wish for these things, they're they're not especially if it's something big. Uh, it's not necessarily going to just materialize like leprechaun gold and, and fall at your feet. <laughs> you know, there's a process yeah. that yeah. will take place, and it's a, a deconstruction that uh, will very quickly lead to a reconstruction, and that's how reality uh, brings this stuff to you. It makes sense. It, it, when I think about you know when people go to hone in and, and pray for you or, or something along those lines, and like if there was an amplifier for prayers – I would be passing it out and saying, everybody, just just put your finger in, in this box and pray and put it in there so I could get all the good mojo to focus the way I want it. I mean, it, it sounds like it's it's an amplifier of good vibes. And what you know, what could be so wrong about that? I, I, I'm all for it if, if it's helping people. And, and you know. It's interesting when you're talking about the lady and, and how people might might panic, like you know they want something to happen so bad, and 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 they 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 think what's a catastrophe that's going to rip them down was actually you know uh, uh, kicking a stone out of the way so a mountain could form, you know, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of cool. I, I I'm not kidding you. I was I was looking for something today, and I'm like, oh, I just can't believe I can't find this other thing. And I, I'm just looking all over, and I'm in a rush. I'm trying to get somewhere. And had I not been looking for that, um, I, I wouldn't have stumbled across something that I really needed for this weekend that I'm I'm leaving town for. And I'm like, that's why it happened right there. That's you know, you think you got things figured out, and it's like, nope. God wanted that to happen the way it did because now I've got this and, you know, things are even better. So I, I, I think this life is, is interesting in how that, uh, you know, things pulled together. I wanted to get to a question that uh, the people have been popping up some questions in the chat room. I apologize, guys. Um, but there's one that popped up in regards to the OUFOs. Um, this is from Max, I believe, and they're asking if you think that there is a power source beneath the water, like pyramids or something in that, that area of Puerto Rico where these craft are being seen. Yeah, that's a great question because we do have some underwater imaging that uh, actually is taken from work that uh, NOAA has done that shows some very artificial-looking shapes under the water off the coast of Puerto Rico in, in various places. Uh, there has long been talk about bases here, and I've gone out with fishermen who have lived here their entire lives, and uh, all of them have stories about seeing submarines and things like that, but sometimes you talk to somebody who tells you a story that just you know really blows your mind that seems very believable and authentic, and, and, and most of it has to do with um, seeing one of these these things fly in or out of the water and then zip off into into space, and um, so they, there must be some some kind of a power supply. I, I've never seen a particular pyramid down there under the water, but there are certainly structures down there that look uh, different than what the forces <laughs> of nature would produce on their own. I hope it's not something like from the Pacific Rim movie, you know, some <laughs> <laughs> big monsters are going to come out. Um, you know, and we're, we've, we're running so close on time. I wanted to get to your projects. You've got a couple of shows coming out later this year. One of them you could speak on, one of them you can't. So let's, let's get to it. What, what are the, what's the name of the one that you can talk about? 
Yeah, well, um, there is a series that is now scheduled to debut on the History Channel July 11th called American Ripper. And um, just to show you the, uh, I guess, the diversity of things that I'm interested in, this is a show that explores the possibility that H.H. Holmes, who is considered America's first serial killer, may have actually been connected to the Jack the Ripper murders in London. Um, that And there's a lot more to it. It's an eight-part series. And I work behind the scenes on that one as an associate producer. Uh, it, it's really based upon the life story of my friend Jeff Mudgett, who found out that he was a direct descendant of H.H. H. Holmes. And so as, as I was telling you on, oh, no. on off off the air, it's, it's, I, I'm, I really enjoy working behind the scenes because I don't have to like work out or lose weight or anything. I can just... <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that'll be coming out July 11th. And, and and it was actually going to originally air in April, but um, some really amazing stuff happened at the last minute, which I, I, that will, I will be killed if I spoil this, that um, made them the network decide to delay it a little bit. So sure. now uh, next month, you know, be put that one on your DVR, July 11th, sure. American Ripper. And then um, – yeah, then the other one is uh, something that's going to come out around Halloween, and that one is—it's. I'm actually going to be filming that one um, toward the end of next month, so I'm going to be out in Los Angeles for a while doing that. But uh, that one is, yeah, it's one of those that a little a little Halloween surprise that I'm not allowed to talk about. But nice. uh, so those two things are upcoming, and uh, and also I'd like for all of your listeners to know that uh, if you go to my website, you can find a spot there where you can sign up for my free e-newsletter, and if you do that. Uh, for one thing, immediately you will receive an email that contains what I consider a good luck charm. And furthermore, uh, from there on, I will send you updates on new experiments, uh, new sigils that I produce as uh, over time, because I have a lot more uh, parasymatics experiments uh, coming, uh, some more video reports, all that kind of stuff. So that's really the my, I really love my e newsletter list. I've got uh, a lot of subscribers who've stuck with me for many years, and so uh, hopefully some of your listeners will go there to uh, joshuapwarren.com and uh, sign up. Very cool. You know, <laughs> I bet you get asked this a lot, but um, I had a couple of questions in the chat room asking if you're related to the Warrens, <laughs> Lorraine and Ed. Yeah, I do get asked that from time to time, but uh, I am not related to them. Um, in fact, it's kind of funny because I was doing research for years before, I don't know how this, I just never came across their work. And then um, eventually, I ended up getting to meet Lorraine Warren in, in Chicago, actually. We were uh, both speaking at a conference up there. Just a wonderful, just nice, lovely lady. Uh, but I, believe it or not, I one time I did a little search of my own name on the Internet, and I came across a website with a discussion board where there were a bunch of people saying nasty things about me, and they were saying, this guy just makes up the name Warren because he's trying to ride the coattails of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Joshua Warren is my <laughs> real name. 
and uh, I have never tried to pretend anything otherwise, but uh, it just shows you how conspiratorial some people can be. <laughs> people are very bored out there, honestly. Yeah. Some of the things they dream up, I'm like, really? Where'd that come from? I mean, sometimes it's very comical, and it's it's good popcorn food stuff. Um <laughs> Yeah. Let's <laughs> still watch and read and go, oh, okay, let's go there. Um, <laughs> you know, so what's next for you that you are really wanting to dig your heels into? I mean, you've got – the sky's the limit for you. There is no limit when it comes to mysteries. What would you really dream to, to dig into at some point? Well, I always feel that I, I just – have not been spending uh, enough time in the lab. And so there are two things that I'm going to be doing over the next year. One of them is um, I'm going to be doing some much more elaborate parasymatics projects in my laboratory in North Carolina. The second thing is I'm a part of a project called the Mobius Mission that we're, um, we were going to start this past spring, but we're kind of holding off a little bit because we're waiting for some technology to be perfected. Basically, the Mobius Mission is going to be an endeavor to take a series of different paranormal hotspots around at least North America, um, UFO hotspots and ghost hotspots, go to those places and rig them up with a circle, a ring of virtual reality cameras that are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that when and if something paranormal occurs, we will literally have this thing captured from every single angle, 360 degrees, and we will also have some instrumentation there that will show us what is happening in the environment. And if, if we actually get so let's say a full-bodied apparition uh, from every single angle and it's affecting the instrumentation in the room and everybody involved has to take a lie detector test to prove that there's no hoaxing or no funny business going on. This to me will be absolute proof that ghosts exist because we should have passed that uh, boundary long ago, but uh, there are still people who don't believe ghosts are real. Well, this will prove uh, at least as much as we can possibly prove ghosts are real because I don't have that Ghostbusters trap that I can kind of suck them into and release them. <laughs> Darn it all. Museum. But this is the next best thing. So you'll be hearing a lot more about the Mobius mission over the next uh, year if everything goes as planned. Sounds good. You know what? I, this is how I imagine you 20 years from now. Yeah, I, I hope you've seen the cartoon Rick and Morty, okay? <laughs> have you seen that cartoon? The, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. <laughs> crazy. Oh my gosh, you gotta look it up. It it's like the nutty professor, crazy uh, grandpa that's inventing things, and he's going <laughs> into outer space, and he's dragging his grandchild along. Hilarious. Look it up. You'll love it. But that that I think you are a Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really do. <laughs> well, you know, Josh, I have to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. This was just fantastic and fun as always. I, I could do this every freaking day, just chatting it up with you. I, I just, you're easy, <laughs> easy peasy. Well, you are a fantastic host and a great researcher and just a wonderful person. And uh, thank you so much for having me on your show tonight. I know we'll be working together on some projects in the near future. So always fun to be with yes. you, my friend. Thank you, Heidi. Yes, thank you. Hold the, hold the line for one second. I'm going to close the show. 
You guys, we have come to the bottom of another fun, fun, fun show. I, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. Remember, you can catch me here every Friday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here. Good night, everybody. <laughs>